is a two-time best-selling author, an online TV show host, and a former national-level K-1 kickboxer. He currently is the president of an outbound sales company called LA Rock. La Rock? La Rock, yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry, but you're no Which is contracted to sell uh, B2C and B2B products across North America, while also co-founder of a social media marketing agency called Social Rise Revenue Marketing Agency. That's quite the bio for being only 24 years old. Congratulations on all your success. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. So we're going to kind of go back a little bit and learn a little bit about you. Um, I, I met you probably last year sometime. I think it was through social media. I think we just connected there and whatever, and then we met at a chamber event. And um, I remember I think you just put out your second book around that time. I think it was, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, sometime around there it was coming out, maybe around, because I think that was back in May from what I recall, and I'm not too sure. Yeah, because yeah. I remember I, you physically came to my office and brought me a book. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. With <laughs> your red pants on. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yes, okay, so let's take it back. You're 24 years old, and you are the owner of a couple of businesses. You have two books out. So how did this all start? So take me back to where this all started. Okay, so basically give you the premise of my life, like how everything kind of came to be. Um, I always try to be a little bit different. Um, when I was going, I didn't get into university for a shot. Um, I was always a C student in high school, but I was always a leader somewhat. I always had respect for people. I was a kid in the classroom in high school when the kids were getting really loud. I would be like, hey, you know, and tell them all you got to quiet down sort of thing. Um, I was the same as everybody else, especially in the millennial generation. Within this generation, everybody's trying to quote unquote figure it out. Um, as for myself, I was looking into a number of options. I actually wanted to get into to the media. I wanted to go into PR, kind of actually to PR, the media field. I wanted to do, you know, something with television. I wanted to become a sports agent. That was my original plan. Uh, things changed when I didn't get into university. I sat back for a year. Um, I did a little bit of traveling here and there. I was working on a minimum wage job. All my friends are in university. Felt terrible for myself. I finally got into university on probation. Um, I studied general arts. So I went in with a general degree thinking that um, if I go general that way, I'll kind of get to feel what's, what's good, what's not. Um, I, I really took an interest in psychology. Um, some of my profs, I took an interest in law. So I figured, well, my dad kept kind of booting me in the rear end saying, go, go down the law route. Go down the law route. And I heard that for, you know, four or five years. Everybody's like, you have to go to post-secondary, get your master's, whatever it was. Um, but as I started to study more law, I realized that, you know, I didn't want to be a lawyer. I really liked the people in society that were entrepreneurs. I really like, you know, guys like Tony Robbins, Vaynerchuk. I'm watching people that would grow something out of nothing from the ground, build it up into an empire. I didn't see myself sitting in front of a judge saying, Your Honor, you know, this and that. <laughs> and essentially what happened was, as I was going through, I was in my last year, or my third year of university, rather, and I was sitting in a criminal law class. And it's, it was boring, and the teacher was great, no offense to her or anything. I was sitting there reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm. Funny enough at the time, so like I was investing in that, everybody else is studying, and I just said, This isn't for me. Almost dropped out. I wouldn't have, though, my dad would have killed me, right? Um, <laughs> Got a lot of those parents. Literally, yeah. <laughs> and then, so I ended up finishing that year. I finished my fourth year, and I had three options. My dad said, either you're going to go to law school, you're going to get your MBA, or go start a company. So I got actually in contact with Summer Company through my friend Tristan Richie. He's like, yeah, go, go get them. You get a, a thing, give it a shot um, with entre the entrepreneur side. I didn't really know exactly what I was going to do, um, but I was still doing consistent speaking. I had spoken to thousands. I was doing the writing piece of it, but that wasn't enough. You know, just be, oh, I'm an author, this and that. Well, what's your credentials? What's your background? Uh, basically went in, into business uh, right out of university. Sunk my first company with my brother. We had an innovative selling company in the midst of winter. Like, what were we thinking? <laughs> like, you know, like, oh, what were we thinking in the yeah, midst of odds against you. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, I probably made like $275. Uh, and then I told him, I said, 
can we do an acquisition or something and let me go on my own? And I had some a partner. I was working at the bank as well at the time. And I didn't want to grow with the bank. Everyone's like, stay with your bank job. I'm like, no, no. And I ended up actually doing an acquisition with him and picked up a contract through somebody um, that I knew as a client from the bank. He's like, I want you to sell your products. You can bring you and your brother in. I said, screw that my, to my brother. I said, Ryan, I'm going to go on my own. We did an acquisition. Then I started LaRock Enterprises. And uh, for the rest is history. And then I picked up a few contracts. To give you like some context and not to go on here, it's kind of funny. <laughs> we have an hour. <laughs> we have an hour, yeah. Like my, my dad's in insurance, right? He has like this big insurance empire sort of thing. And he'd always told me, I said, I want to go into sales. I want to go into insurance. And he's like, I'll make sure you don't get hired in insurance in the city. He's like, I want you to go build your own, whatever the wow. hell that is, or go to law school, become a lawyer, do that. He's like, I want you there. Go go be an M- get an MBA. Funny enough, after I started my company and worked it for eight months, I actually picked up an insurance contract. So I don't sell insurance, but I have a team that goes out and sells insurance. <laughs> so it was good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I just want to also point out that we are live on Facebook. We're live on Connor's page, actually. So if you go on to his Facebook page, we're there in the studio. So feel free to give a shout-out or if you have any direct questions for him, we'll be sure to check that in and see uh, what you guys want to know. So I find that quite interesting because um, a lot of – I don't want to say a lot of people, but – Many people who are, I hate the term millennial, like, no, it's, okay. <laughs> yeah. but the younger generation doesn't really have that mindset of, um, you know, going out and doing their own thing. It's, you know, we are, I am a millennial, so I'll say it, we, we are conditioned to do what society wants us to do. Mm-hmm. So, but you took it a different route and you actually went the opposite way, um, which is the unsafe way and a lot of risks involved. So what... What changed for you? Like, what, I guess, what in your mind just made you, like, think the other way and decided to go all in? A lot of it, I think, had to do maybe with my upbringing and my brother. Like, my brother was a direct influence, probably one of the heaviest influences I had in my life. And I just recently started coming out and actually really, oh, I really started coming out and reflecting on that. And um, he was always a person that was very bold and fearless. I watched him and I was watching what he was doing. And he could have went on and played pro hockey, but he was in his own world fighter. You know what I mean? One of those type of guys. Um, And I don't know. He kind of pushed me in a sense. He's like, you know, you you can kind of make your own terms. And I was watching my dad go out into the world and do his own thing. And I was looking at, I I started studying this whole millennial problem and and university. And I was, I, I was, I'm the type of person always that I try to look deeper than the surface. Like when I was a young kid, I would think a lot about death. And it's a bad thing to think about when I'd sit back at night and I'd think, well, where are we going? And I would always try to take it a step further. So I would see this problem in university where all these students are getting degrees and all this stuff. And I love education. I love, you know, meeting these people, networking, doing this. But I seen a massive, massive problem, which is that there was this uncertainty factor going from high school to university, university of the workforce. There was this massive thing where people aren't finding jobs. So I'm thinking, well, I don't want to go down this road and be like everybody else. So what can I do? So I would go do something on the opposite to produce a different result. And that was just my thinking. I was always kind of geared towards how can I be different? How can I stand out opposed to kind of trying to fit in with the crowd? And it it was through, I always wanted to have that kind of distinguishing factor or something that was kind of with me that people would say, okay, wow, that's how I know that guy. And that's, that's what kind of was geared to my thinking. I'm like, I can't be like all these other people. Then I don't, there's nothing, you know, it's just generic. There's too much of the same crap out there nowadays. So I wanted to aim that way. And that's where I came from kind of. Right. So you have two books. Um, and you're working on your third. Mm-hmm. You're 24. Okay, start with the first one. The first book, what made you want to write a book, for one, at such a young age, to have enough content to think uh, that you can? Basically, um, so it kind of all started, like, I've always been, I've always considered myself somewhat, 
like of a writer, right? Like I've always been a writer. I actually started writing my first book, TV show rather, at, in grade six. And this is funny. A lot of people don't know this about me. But yeah, I started writing my first TV show at like the age of six. It was called, or book or whatever you want. It was like Dragon Ball Z, but it was called The Legend of Nova Fist. And, you know, I had this dream and, and that's where it started. And like, I'm not like the most, I can, I can articulate my thoughts, but I'm not an editor. I'm, I'm bad with the editing piece of all that. But like, I can get the content on paper. So then, you know, I went down my own route in high school, just very uncertain about a number of things. Um, and then as I went in, actually in high school, grade 11, I started writing a TV show called Seven Isn't an Odd Number. It's about six people um, that were like kind of like South Park where they go out in like Canada and do all this funny, crazy stuff. That didn't go through. Um, so then by the time I hit university, I remember I was sitting in Cuba with a bunch of my friends. And this is, you know, one of those things you're drinking a lot. And I, I looked at them and I'm like, I'm going to write a book. Like, I'm, like, I'm going to write a book, guys. Like, and I was laying on the lawn here. It's like 100 degrees. And... Um, they're looking and like, oh, for sure, yeah, good for you. And and basically, like, I had no experience on how to write a book, how to formulate it. So my first book was just a bunch of like random ideas and observations I had. I'm not saying it's nowhere near scholarly, but it was just my ideas. This is what I thought about this. This is where I was going. Here's my story, and that's that's it. Just to get me in the writing thing. And I'm not saying it's a good book. It was just my thoughts. And this is what I think about the world at the time. And it's like a stepping stone. And some people didn't like it. Some really did. Um, and and that's how that came to be. I just literally started putting pen to paper my, my whole philosophy take your thoughts from your mind bring them into the physical material world that was my thing and the next thing you know I'm looking I'm like holy crap I got like a 150 page book <laughs> <laughs> so those friends that you're with probably never they probably didn't think you were serious right when you said that you wanted to write the book they honestly they they, they laughed like they're like oh this guy cause I, and it, it, for other people out there you know not to sound uh, you know amateur or whatever I used to rap too and I like have these like white boy raps and, and my friends so that's where they laugh and like oh you'd have these these kind of raps going out now I'm a professional right so if you are looking back thinking what are you doing and uh, yeah so that, that they were just thinking oh it's just one of these type of things and then all of a sudden like when you actually I see it on the website I'm like this is real like it's on Amazon I'm like whoa it's funny to show you and then that built my confidence through the roof absolutely so from there on how long be uh, between the time where you wrote your first one to your second one how much time was that it was about a year. Like the first book took me about a year and a half to write. The other one I literally wrote in a summer, four months. Wow. I just pumped it out and then just like added throughout the year. So to about a year in between, I still had so much content and things I was just thinking. And it was more concise. I learned how to write. Uh, but there were still things in that that, you know, I look back and I'm like, oh, I could have did this. I should have paid for a way better editor. I got screwed there. That, that was one thing I'll, I look back on. I'll never make that mistake again. But I mean, hey, I'm young. So I, I know with the third one, I'm going to go in. I'm trying to get in with a powerhouse company, like a really big one with a literary agent and I feel very confident now that I've read so many books I've done the study and, and all that like now it's going to be like the you know Connor 2.0 like <laughs> all together yeah so what's your goal in writing these books what do you hope to accomplish when you when you produce these this content to be honest with you um, for me like something that gets me off and gets like it's kind of like a high for me I like the aspect of the power of influence being able to you know resonate something with somebody and all of a sudden have a direct contact most people don't believe they have a power or they can influence people yet you'd be surprised I can say something to someone completely spark up their day uh, a, a, a thing I used to use as an analogy is like take a prank call for instance people hate this analogy but it works I can call somebody in the middle of the night and completely aggravate them and say stupid things or this and that or you know I can you know I'll be like oh yeah and then all of a sudden I created a chapter in their history I can do the exact same thing on the on the converse or on the contrary in a positive light 
and impact them. So I'd always been driven by that. So I knew that I needed something that, you know, you're talking all this stuff, all oh, whatever. You need to have something that people can go at the end of the day like, oh, this guy's awesome. But then they have something they can go read or they have content they can go check. So I always knew I had to have more content and I had it all. So I was like, put it in paper. Then people have it. They can use it as a reference. And that's, that's why I thought of with writing. Okay. So... You talked a little bit about uh, growing up and, you know, the your childhood and stuff. What was it like growing up for you? What was your childhood like? I had a really, honestly, I, um, I'm not one of those kids to say I had this crazy childhood. Uh, my childhood was awesome. Like I, I, You grew I, up here in Sudbury? In Sudbury, yeah. Okay. I was blessed. Uh, my parents were awesome. My dad was somewhat like a military instructor. God bless him. Like, great guy. But very military-ish. Like, just like, you know, you got to do this, got to do that. My mom was like the biggest lover. I, I really have to thank her. Uh, for everything she's done for me, like, honestly. And my brother. My brother was, this is the funny story with him. Like, me and my brother are really, really close now. Uh, but at the time growing up, we, we had, like, a little bit of a hard time. He, he would beat me up. It was kind of paradoxical that he would always get all his friends to kick the crap out of me. I, he would kick the crap out of me. they like, beat me up, take my confidence down. Yet, when anyone else would try to, like, touch me, like, in high school or bully me or anything, they were going to try he was there for you. Yeah, it was, it was exclusive to him in his mind. He's like, I am only allowed to do that. <laughs> Me and my friends. And yeah, but he grew, he, it was because of him. Like I've been able to do pretty much a lot of stuff. I just watched his mentality. He was fearless. Didn't matter what he is. And I, I was playing basketball with him the other day and it just brought me back to, to when I was a kid. These, all these big hockey players, I had billets living in my house. Uh, my house was a zoo. Literally, I'd be going to bed at, you know, 12 o'clock at night for high school. And you have these billets downstairs screaming, partying, whatever, till three, four in the morning. Uh, but yeah, my childhood was great. It's just I, I had no confidence growing up because I was just terrified of everything. I don't know what it was like, and, and my brother put that fear into me. And I wanted, because a disclaimer, like I love the guy to pieces. Like I have to thank him for everything. Like right at that time, I'm growing up. I was scared. He was the one that got me into martial arts. Uh, but he put a fear into me, um, and I was just I had no confidence. And I was overweight, but I wasn't like this big, like really heavy kid. But I, in my mind, I was, you know. So I had no confidence growing up. Uh, and then my mom was like my protector. And yeah, just it was it was a, I had a good time. It's just you know I was I was very uneasy for the longest time. So how did you get over those fears then? Honestly, I have to thank everything in my life to martial arts. Um, be, it was it was one of those things, right? Passion equals energy, in Tony Robbins' words, and. I was a hockey player up until I was about 16. I even got drafted to an outlaw junior A team. Like, it was it was politics. You know, I wasn't the best hockey player. I was okay. I was decent. I was terrified on the ice, though. And my brother said, go try Muay Thai. So I was gonna. I was playing UFC, like, the, the game in, in 2000. It was, like, a 2009 game. And I really wanted to try the martial arts skit. And essentially, I went down. I went to a Muay Thai class. And from that day on, I met this kid named Jesse Cronier um, and my other trainer, Mike Cool, And... They completely changed my life. I was garbage at the time too, but I had heart. And then I learned, and I was so obsessed. I became it was my first obsession, and, and it just made me into it. I'm not like I'm not saying I'm the best martial artist, but I, I have a very very strong understanding of it, and that's what ignited my passion. I lost the weight. I built the confidence. I was going into the ring and doing demonstration fights, and I was like, whoa, I can, I can kick this guy in the head. <laughs> have to go out in the street like people were doing and I was like no I can just go in and I was like you have that stigma I always a martial artist sort of thing and that's what what kind of laid the framework for me and my passion and, and what gave me the energy wow yeah that's uh that's and then I got, I got my rear end kicked a bunch of times too like it, you get really humbled in there like you think oh I'm all tough and you're beating but you get like you get way more beatings than you do <laughs> than than your wins you know <laughs> whatever you want to call it yeah you're always getting beat up so, so are you still doing that are you still doing... 
Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, are you still doing the Muay Thai? I still, honest to God, I shadow box every single day. It's always in my head. I'm always, when I'm running, I'm thinking about it, but I haven't actually went into, like, Troop MMA, which is a gym I would train out of. I haven't went into there too a long time, but I'm still, like, in great shape. I work out every single day, seven days a week. Like, I'll take a day off whenever I can. Um, but, yeah, whenever I can, like, I, I've been really missing it after I watched the UFC this weekend. Mm -hmm. It's just a part of me. It'll always be there. So I, I, I still will go in there and get beat up. <laughs> <laughs> So over the last, I guess, couple years, um, I guess a couple years since I've known you and following you on social media, I've noticed um, some things that you've been implementing into your own life. Um, I mean, you have the online TV show, you have this new book coming out, um, you're getting more speaking opportunities. So what are you doing to, to make that happen? Because it's, it's just you. You are the CEO of the company. You make you do everything. You make mm -hmm. the calls. So what types of steps are you doing to, to make that happen? And what do you see for yourself? Basically, um, the easiest way to probably put it, uh, I'm always looking for, and it's kind of like it's, it's bad. Like with some people, it's like too capitalistic. But I'm always looking for the next deal. What can I do that's going to impact as many people as possible? How can I grow my company? How can I make this money so that I can reinvest that into my business, into having more of an impact? Um, what I've been doing for the most part is I, I look and I'm like, okay, like a lot of times I had a hard time saying no with a number of things. Uh, but now I'm like, okay, so I, I figured it out that I got to build a team. You got to have a team. Like I'm not going to be good, let's say, in accounting. So I got to find somebody that's good in accounting. Mm -hmm. I might not be good in this side. And I'll be like the entrepreneur, which is the generalist, can bring all these people together to have this one this one hole. So basically what I've been doing is basically um, trying to figure out how, you know, as Cardone would say, how I can 10x my business in a sense, but not, you know, in a narcissistic way. Um, but I'm just trying to see like, so as, as you know, we, I guess you can look in society, we all have, people have a perception of you. And it's like, so I got perceived as, oh, he's an author, speaker sort of thing. But really, I'm an entrepreneur. So I've been trying to trying to work my way into that to show people, like, a lot of people don't know about me, and I don't say this to be arrogant at all, but with one of the companies I sell for currently, we've sold hundreds of thousands. Like, we're almost, we're going to hit the million mark for this company we've sold for. Because they're, they're doing big deals at a time. I'm not going to disclose the company I sell for. Um, but we, we've done a, a phenomenal job for them. And that was just me. We had a team, I had someone else working there. And and then with Combine now, which is another contract we have, so Northern Impact is, is one of the people I recruit for. Um, we got about five of them there. So wherever I am now, like if I'm if I'm out about shaking people's hands, I'm at a, at a, a restaurant. I'm always looking and recruiting for something. I don't care if you don't have a university degree. I want to see you know your aptitude. I want to see how you talk, how you feel, how this person's energy gives off. And so I found a lot of people. I'll just be sitting there. I'm just constantly striving to look for how can I make myself better? How can I impact more people? What specifically do I have to do? And for me, I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm a sales guy. And people have the wrong idea with sales. Like, I'm trying to sell you. I'm trying to help you. I'm not going to sell crap ever. I'm not going to give go out there and try to take someone's money like a Jordan Belfort. And I even met him, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, you could just see it. And no offense to the guy. I met him, and I'm looking at him, and I, you could just feel his energy. I'm like, this guy's got no soul. And uh, I, I hate to say that for anyone that actually likes him or knows him, but I, I just, I could be wrong, but when I met him, I just felt it. Um, and I, so I embrace what I'm good at. And if I'm bad at something, I'll try to, you know, research it or whatever. But I'm really focused, again, like the Gary Vee style, on what the, what am I really good at. So I'm good at selling. I can really high-pressure sales. I'm really good at. I'm a good leader and being able to take people together and influence, not just be a dictator. So I focus on those things and then also looking for contracts, things, speaking obligations. My problem is I try to take it all on. And my always it's been a common thread. i got to focus on specific things, meaning specific. So now... As a speaker, I'm trying to market my
myself how to motivate and communicate to millennials and sell to millennials. That's my market. I'm going into businesses now through my agent. Uh, we're focused on that, and then I'm just focusing on my company. So it's my speaking and my company. Those are my two things. Posted before, I'd be doing this, trying to build an app. We're out here. So it's focused. That's it. So your company, so you you sell to companies. So is it just like you're calling them and you're just making sales calls all day? Is that the, what your typical day looks like? Or take me through it. Take, so for the most part, um, so yeah, I know this is where there's a lot of confusion. And, and I, I was talking to Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank. And this is funny. Like the actual guy, I met him in Vegas. And, and he's looking at me and he's like, you redefine your pitch. And that's one thing I really got to work on. I can really pitch. But when it comes to my company, like it's kind of confuses people. Like, well, the Rock Enterprises, what is this sort of thing? Um, but my company, yeah, for the most part, so I have... Have two contracts. I have three of them actually. One of them though is, is non-disclosed. Um, but basically, we can either be selling door to door, business to business, business to consumer, on the phone. So the one contract is actually um, I have a construction contract. Okay. So we're selling these big blasting mats throughout North America. So that's literally on the phone all day. We're building market research, looking for markets. That's just high pressure on the phone. Build a relationship, work it, and then on the other side, which is the insurance, I don't sell it myself. I have a team. We have five guys on a team selling that kind of stuff. Okay. So they go through the training, and I just kind of do the sales talks and other things on that. Uh, but my typical day, I basically wake up probably around 7 o'clock, you know, give or take. I don't get up at 6 like I really should. I'm not going to lie, though. I don't get up at 6 because I go to bed late, and I, I don't – sales calls don't start till later. So 7 o'clock, I get up. I go instantly right to the gym within 20 minutes. Uh, I do my hour, hour and 20-minute workout, like high intensity. I go for a quick, you know – Quick run, just try to sprint it out, get that sweat going. Yeah, for, for anyone who follows him on Instagram, I'm going to throw this in. Um, everyone will know that he takes his run, and he is still talking when you're running. Still, <laughs> you're like, yeah. You're like, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. No, I think it's funny because I watch your Insta stories, and you're like you're full of running. It's not even like you're walking. You're full of running, but you're still like pumping that content, trying to get people going at like 8 a.m. And I think like it's. It's funny to me, but I feel like it's very motivating to me, like, because I'm sitting there watching, and you're out there running, and I'm like, crap. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, how do you speak clearly? Like, when you do that? I'm like, I don't know, yeah. It just comes from the martial arts thing, yeah. So then it's sales calls and then content, like, it's just constant content. How can I fluctuate this? Where can I do this? So, I, And I practice a lot of speaking a lot. People don't see that side of me, but they think it's just, oh, you're just a speaker, you kind of maybe throw it from the hip, but I, I work on a lot of that and just redefining it. How can I impact it? Because I went into some of these unprepared. Uh, not unprepared, but not enough where, you know, you can really, really impact people because people have different receptive points and triggers. So I'm trying to really study that. And I study a lot of psychology, actually. People don't know that about me as well. So when I, I'm on my own, I try to, like, practical psychology where how can, so you, whether it be, like, the NLP but not the manipulative side of, of neurolinguistic programming, I, I study a lot of that. And just how can I impact someone, break through the noise of their mind and, and come through? And what I found is a lot of it's incentives. People need incentives, and whether it's money, people say money doesn't influence people. Like, it doesn't make them happy. Well, you know, the Taj Point, oh, do you ever see someone on a jet ski sad? Or, you know, <laughs> but the money is the vehicle to influence and do these things to, to give you the freedom and stuff. So I'm not a money guy, like, talking money, like, uh, to be, oh, my God, it's all about money. But, no, it's the, the vehicle for, for trying to influence. So I try to look at ways I can have multiple sources of income and this and that. Kind of like the multi-level marketing thing, but not, you know, yeah. Okay, awesome. We're going to take a quick break. I'm going to throw on some Mike Charette, as I mentioned earlier. He's a local guy in Sudbury. He is. Uh, he just released his new CD, and it is called This Is Me, and This Is The Way You Are. We'll be back on 96.7.
We're back in Boss Talk on 96.7 CKLU. Thank you for listening and tuning in. I am sitting here with Mr. Connor LaRock. In the building. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So we were talking earlier about um, your journey through entrepreneurship and starting a business um, and some challenges that you may have faced along the way with some fears and um, your brother beating you up. (laughs) He's a great, great guy there for that. God love him. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So as you're starting your business, what were what were the top five things that you did or started with? Like well, <laughs> what I started in the business. Yeah, so like when you start a business, obviously there's like things, whether it's like the marketing piece or maybe it's things that you had to do on your own. But what were five things that maybe you can help somebody if they wanted to do the same thing that you would suggest that they do? First thing is like so the the easiest thing so right away like don't don't start a company you don't like I'm not, I can't actually speak on this but I was gonna say don't start a company you don't know anything about me my first company was kind of millennial consulting based and it was like where I got paid as a speaker so I'd be like okay you can hire my company life is motivation enterprises at the time like that's where I get paid as a speaker um, the easiest thing I would think is try to I'm just trying to think like in terms of sustainability like well how can you for me it was it's bad to say, but it was kind of natural. I knew I'm like, okay, I was kind of, I hate to say it, but I think a lot of entrepreneurs are probably in the same boat is that you're just trying to figure it out. Yeah. So I might not be good at something. Um, so first thing was like, you know, go to Service Ontario, register your business. Okay, and there we go. Now we're legit. We have an entity. I'm managing air. You know, I, I'm managing air. It's like, okay. So that was probably like the first aspect just to figure out, okay, what do I need to, to really run a business? People think, you know, you have to have this big office, dump all this money when it's not true. You right. have the online sphere. Everything's free. I can use people like, oh, you post too much on Facebook. I said, well, you're obviously not using yours for business. You know, and you got to use it for business. So I looked at all the things I can use for free to kind of give me a little bit of a leeway, some brand identity. We built some brand equity. Um, and that's how I kind of started, started off with, with that kind of stuff. And then it transitioned as I went. I'm like, okay, this is a sales company, but then all of a sudden I can offer consulting services services on how to motivate these people in terms of millennials or sell to them and then you kind of build it up and and so I use the Gary Vee thing the easiest thing is I looked at um, basically how can like as a whole like I try to build myself up people are constantly they see me they either think oh he's he's a uh, like a, a motivational guy or something like so you try to go with the brand identity what is your company really like what is your company going to be and I would focus more on that so I was like okay so I'm this motivational guy so sales relates to that so then people see okay he's that, that greasy sales guy I said, <laughs> oh, yeah, he's a greasy sales guy a motivational guy uh, he's an author so then I try to I have like I, I frame it like this whenever I'm doing marketing or business or something so it's like I'm the nucleus like I'm this big hole and then all of a sudden all my facets go out so okay so I'm in the personal development field bang it comes back to me I'm in the sales field it comes back to me and then in the other field like uh, let's just say on, on a third one I want to do marketing it comes back to me so I try to focus everything in so it all comes back as a whole and then don't go do something you don't you're not really passionate about really at the end of the day you're going to hear a flux with it but I'm known for my energy like people see my energy and it's because I enjoy what I'm doing and it's because I love the the hustle of it where it's like holy crap like when I first got into business the hardest thing that people don't get this is actually the piece of advice I'll give you sorry I'm rambling on but this is the actual piece of advice take 40 hours a week so you see 40 hours a week you're consistent into a job let's say you don't like that job you're not motivated to go to that job you wake up in the morning you hate it well imagine you took those 40 hours and tried to figure out how can I make 400 bucks or how can I make like $80 or $800. Let's say, so I ask people all the time, students primarily, cut it in half. Okay, so like what's your what's your monthly expenses? You need $800. So you got to find three contracts or three things that will pay you to get to that. Imagine focusing that time, that, that 40 hours a week on that. That was the hardest part of becoming an entrepreneur, time management. Oh, yes. You're on your own. You're like, it's not, nobody's sitting there watching you. 
You're no, on your own. you are everything. You are the assistant. You are the accountant. You are the janitor sometimes. Mm-hmm. You, are, you are everything. You clean up your own mess. You know? yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to take it back to this um, title of millennial. And as I stated before, I am one, so I am not going to say anything about it. However, there are, are these already preconceived um, notions, I guess, about what the term millennial is. And I want you to tell me what you think a millennial, how would you describe a millennial? This is going to be subjective, okay? And uh, it, it is the truth. And I use an example, and it's it's an it's a extreme one. Our millennial generation right now, um, the truth is, and a lot, like we're a highly educated generation, but I make the joke, it's like we almost don't know how to change the roll of toilet paper. You know, we're highly educated. And excuse me, I'm just kidding. Like, yeah. A lot of people will take hits at me for that. But I really believe um, that right now there's two issues when it comes to millennials. Their lack of clarity, there's a lack of clarity. A lot of them don't really know where they're going to go because we're exposed to so much information. If you think about it, our brain's not processing it fast enough. We're sitting there, we just get confused, deer in the headlights. The second thing is no one wants to commit anymore. Mm. And people have this lack of commitment in this generation. They're like, well, I can always get something better. You go into a relationship, I can always get something better. You go into a new business deal, well, I can always do something better. And it's this constant striving, but it's kind of paradoxical in the sense that people are becoming confused. We're sitting there, it's like, well, I can't do this. We're, we, we believe it, but I think our protocol call has to switch to innovation pace. People have to be more creative. They have to start pumping out content. No one, a lot of people, I think, it seems that a lot of people don't think they have a voice. They don't think they can make a difference, but you see a lot of these people that at one time weren't celebrity figures that people were laughing when Instagram first came out. They're like, oh yeah, these celebrities, like, oh, whatever, it's just an on-platform. All of a sudden, you're getting people that have more followers than them online, you know, than actual celebrities, and they become celebrities. Right. So, yeah, it's this, folks, I kind of lost my train of thought there. So why do you think why do you think that, I guess, why do you think that of millennials? Why do you think that we have this lack of focus, that we're, we lack clarity? Was it something we were brought up with? Was it maybe because the previous generation, that's how they raised it? Like, why do you think that is? Mass disruption right now. Um, I think it's because of the mass disruption in our economy, or like our economy or society right now, that things are changing at such a rapid pace. Whereas you look maybe 50 to 100 years before, it wasn't moving as fast. So all of a sudden we have this this massive this information like we have all this information right in front of us whereas before it would take us so long to get it that all of a sudden people are like holy crap information is free it's not worth anything anymore like you know you have to kind of define yourself whereas a society we're kind of programmed to follow what everyone else is doing so all of a sudden you take the education system for instance I God bless it you know the education system is great you know it's, it's building people up to become accountants lawyers whatever it is the education system isn't really effective for entrepreneurs um, so what's happening is your education system is outdated and then you have a massive huge 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 percentage of people going right now into university and then all of a sudden they get stuck in the mud because their parents are like they let's say mom or dad didn't have the degree or they're like this is what i did and this is what made me successful but then they enter a, a market and a workforce which isn't looking for that all of a sudden they're like no you need to have more so you have two people with the same degree same credentials same everything and then you don't get into the interview, so then you can't sell yourself. So that's what's happening is, is our society's program to be too much the same, whereas we have to really put an incentive on creativity and innovation. Go to work your job. I don't care if you're working at McDonald's. You know, As long as you're out there working and hustling, but build something on the side. Figure out you know, what the hell are you good at? What do you want? What specifically think? What can you offer? People don't realize that they can offer something. They can be an expert in something. 
Um, I think a lot of people just think, oh, well, no, I'm just, I'm just generic. I'm this. And then they believe that and they have that limiting belief which won't let them persevere in society. You have to figure something out. Like people, everyone has something to offer. Even the homeless guy in the street has some type of story that might trigger something. And that's, you know, what we have to do. And people are just confused right now. We're sitting there and then the, we're, we're looking at the media and the news and, and it's terror. Oh my God, we're, we're going to die. And, and the funny thing is the poverty rate is up, right? Or it's down right now. The lowest it's ever been. People are like, well, no, there's so many people. Yeah, on the grander scale of things, people are still in there, but everything's actually moving very positively, but people are focusing on the contrary because that's what strings emotion. That's what, it, it's a lot harder to be positive than just walk out and say life sucks. You know, it's easier to do that. And no one wants to be consistent because they lack clarity and some people have a harder upbringing than others but to me there's no excuse you know there is no excuse that we live in north america yes i, I can imagine maybe you're going through depression and i feel empathy for you maybe you're going through this but what can we do to help you maybe take that first step what specifically is going to get you out of that state and you have to take those small, small things people are always looking for these big wins it's the small daily things i got out of bed at seven i did this and you feel that every single day yes. that's what you need consistency is key in everything do you think that um, there's often a confusion between the millennial generation and the generation Z or Z generation, which is the generation after the millennials? I think to, to some degree, yeah. It, it, there, there's, it's weird because like, I, I do a presentation called Influencing a Generation Raised by a Cell Phone, which is focused primarily on Generation Z. I consider myself like really like I, really effective with millennials. Like I understand that market really well, and I'm starting to get into Generation Z. There is somewhat of a confusion because... Millennials in general, we're in the kind of transition here. Like we actually grew up before, like it really blew up yeah. in terms of, of technology. Whereas you have Generation Z, which is the, the technology. They, they have freaking iPads at like two years old. My little niece is sitting there on her iPad That's or right. phone. And I mean, a lot of the you know older generation, the baby boomers, um, they look at us and say, "Well, I didn't grow up with this." Well, I didn't. I didn't either. I grew up in the '80s. And I didn't grow up with an iPad or a cell phone. It was until I was about 16 that I actually saw a real computer with dial-up. Yeah, <laughs> the, the thing that makes you... Right, so we're all still learning this stuff. And I think um, you've hit some great points with, like, it's... There is no... I mean, we can do anything we want um, as long as we believe it. And technology has allowed us another platform to be able to do that. I mean, Absolutely. we're streaming live on Facebook right Literally, now on yeah. your page and we're in the studio talking and, you know, we can tweet about it and make a story about it and it can, like, you know, hit hundreds of people in a matter of seconds whereas 10 years, 15 years ago, we weren't able to do that. So, anybody can do it. It's so true. And that's the thing is that, again, the, the, the common you know, flaw or whatever you want to call it, I'm finding is that because we're not getting it now. Right. Because that's the problem in your brain psychologically. We're sitting there and we're so used to now, now, now. Yes, we're impatient. Exactly. It's Gary V, right? And then they're like, success has got to be now. You know, and like, it, as a joke, I use a Grant Cardone quote I watched him say, and he's like, he's like, I don't want to get rich quick. He's like, I want to get rich for sure. <laughs> And, uh, and that's the thing is that too many people aren't willing to work for it. Like in a sense, like they're willing, yeah, I can work, I can grind, I can do this. But, but really, it, the hardest part is when you see someone behind the blinders for myself. And I'm not saying I'm successful, but what's distinguished me is that a lot of times in the beginning when I started, I was so hungry that people would be going out to buy. I just completely was a loner. My buddies would go off and they'd be like, Connor's just not here. He's in his own world. And that's when I wrote those two books, not saying they're good, but I was still on my own and I was just doing things people weren't. I was like, screw this. I'm going to go off and do my own thing. And I'm back into that element now. I don't want, I, I quit drinking. 
for the most part now. Hopefully, no one will ever see me at the bar. You know, okay. <laughs> but I, I, I quit drinking, and I'm, I want to do things people aren't doing. Right. Because therefore, it'll produce a different result, and that's that's the whole idea. Right. So I want to talk about. Um, you just came back from New York last week, mm-hmm. um, and I want to talk a little bit about your journey getting there. Absolutely. Um, so talk a little bit about how you landed that opportunity, and what was it like to spend a week and a half yeah, yeah, a week and a half, yeah. In New York, um, doing what you're doing. It was on, like, this is one of the most bizarre situations I've ever been exposed to in my life, and it was one of those things where you're like, well, do I take the opportunity, grab the bull by the horns? I, got, I met a guy in Vegas um, at this conference called Thrive, best conference there is in the entire world, and his name was Conrad, and he was from Germany. And, you know, I met him there, he's like, nice shoes, you know, and we started chatting up about, he was, he's looked really good too, like he had a nice suit on, and we started talking, uh, then we got connected, he was in corporate sales for marketing, he did marketing for TLC Marketing or wherever it was in New York, um, and I was asking him, like, how do you get by the gatekeepers, blah, 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 to make a long story short, we came back, got on a phone call, next week over, after that phone call, he gives me a call, he says, Connor, this, this Synergy Global company needs help right now, and he knew, the only salesperson he knew that had a sales company that kind of ran teams and stuff like that was me, and his one friend couldn't take the opportunity so he calls me he's like do you think you can drop everything for two weeks and fly down here and work with these guys and I'm laughing I'm like oh there's no way you know like I'm like oh yeah for sure man I'll do it and it was my girlfriend's birthday that that same weekend this is where it gets really bad (laughs) and so I get this call and he he calls me back and I had a feeling I'm sitting there in my office and like this is going to happen like they're going to call me and I'm like sitting there I'm like no I can't leave like it's her birthday this and that but a week and a half there they're going to pay me whatever it was fly me out uh, he gives me a call. He's like, yeah, they're gonna. The Russian guy, like his name was Misha at the time. He's one of the the VPs and directors of the company. And he's like, yeah. He's like, we'll pay for you know whatever to get you out here to come boost our sales numbers. They didn't really give me an idea what was gonna happen. They just said you're gonna be selling. So they didn't even really know you. Right? They didn't even know me. And I, he's like, send me a bio. I sent him a bio. What I did. And they're like, holy crap. Okay, you're young. Like they, I didn't even say actually my age. And because uh, we were we had it. You were supposed to be on the show a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And you had to uh, you had to message me and say I'm sorry I can't. I'm going to New York. And I'm like. What? Well, that's yeah. wonderful. <laughs> okay. What happened? Yeah, people didn't. Yeah. So they didn't even know you. They flew you out to New York for a week and a half. Week and a half. So you stay in a hotel. Yeah, right beside the right on right off of Wall Street. So there's there's water broad in Wall Street. So I was right off of Water Street in the hotel and broad. Was, I was on broad right beside Wall. Like they're both big financial company. So what did you do when you got there? So as soon as I walked in there, I was I was nervous, obviously, and. Um, I was just sitting there. I didn't know what to expect. I'm like, I'm coming in here. Like, they're going to want creative content or something to sell their tickets. And I would sell tickets for this event at the Madison Square Garden. I didn't really know what they wanted me to do. I got called in, and I met uh, I met the CEO of the company. Uh, his name is Alexander. And he was this guy from Russia, blah, blah, blah. To make it a long story short, he's like, I need you to work with this B2B sales team. So these were people that had worked for Forbes. Some of them worked for, you know, some of the, like the, Olymp- the Olympic Committee. Really great people, actually, that I was working with. And they're basically like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta boost our sales numbers. These people are focused on partnerships. We need you to just get them selling tickets. Whatever you gotta do, we need to get tickets. The operations were very confusing in that company. Like, it was a great company, but very confusing operations. So, first day I went in there, I was like, what do I do? Like, I didn't even make sense, like, how we're we gonna sell them. I didn't know the pitch, didn't know what it was. So, took a, a second day, I just took the bull by the horns. And I basically just sold, sold as many tickets as I could, did about $10,000 we tried to go for in tickets, which is only like $150 tickets I was selling. I wasn't doing these big premium packages. And, uh, yeah, that was it. They put me in the boiler room, too, a few times, like, which is like, you know, like 15 people just making calls. I was making 200 to 220 calls a day on the phone selling tickets. <laughs> wow. It was insane. So, the conference that you were selling, or the event that you were selling tickets for, there were some pretty big names on that big list. Big hitters. Talk, talk about them. 
It was ins- it was insane. Like Richard Branson. Richard Branson, Gary V, Simon Sinek, uh, Jack Welch. So did you get to attend the event? I did. Yeah, front row. I had a backstage pass. Like I had a pass where I could flash it, and uh, it was the coolest thing. Like it was the most bizarre situation. I'm blessed and grateful to have had that opportunity uh, to work directly with the CEO too. And like so, I was their hired gun. So they just said, okay, you can go do this. You can meet all their people. Like that was part of the deal. I said, if I'm going to do sign a contract, I said. I have to be able to meet Gary Vee and, and Rich Brady. I'm like, I gotta meet them, you know? They're like, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so I went to the event and, and it was an interesting event because, like, we didn't know how it was gonna run because, like, they had to sell more tickets and just basically get everything kind of corresponding. The operations were very confusing, just to say the least. About the company, great company, good time, but the operations were confusing. And, uh, but yeah, so I went to the event, like, I was there the, the two days and basically you kind of worked it a bit, like, just help people kind of get organized, VIPs and stuff. Uh, but other than that, you just get to sit and enjoy it and watch. And then I would kind of sneak backstage and, and go eat the food <laughs> if I could. Yeah, <laughs> but that's awesome. So that all happened because you went to an event, made a connection, and this guy remembered you. Exactly, and he was a freaking great guy. And, and I'll he, never forget him. And he didn't really know you either, right? Didn't really know me. He saw my shoes. <laughs> he liked my red shoes. He's like nice shoes. And I'm like Conrad, you're a nice guy. I'm forever grateful to him, Conrad. And he, this guy, he, if he's watching actually my social, I told him I'm gonna pay it forward. Um, whenever I can yeah just because of that he was just he had a connection he basically said they needed help with marketing he was a marketing guy so he went into the office next thing you know bring me in and it just happened just like that wow. it's all fast like wow. nothing yeah missed my girlfriend's birthday made it up to her though don't worry yeah. <laughs> that's awesome congrats on that that's really incredible that's yeah. really incredible I'm trying to wrap my head around that it's uh, crazy no kidding so I mean you didn't need a university degree to do that I came from Laurentian University and I got hired in a position where that they actually had Grant Cardone was supposed to be the guy they pitched seventy thousand dollars he was to bring his team in yeah he was the that was the first quote they got was from cardone and then they bring me in i couldn't believe it from cardone and then to actually bring him in it was like 70 grand and uh they were like oh no we're not going to do it like this and he's like well i got this guy out of canada that seriously he's just his energy he's got it like this and that and it was like that and then i came in they loved it like i worked right the ceo loved me like we had a good time i was very humble in there and i was like hey what can i do how can i help you i was working 12 hour days i'd be up literally at you know 6 30 in the morning go right to the gym then go right to the office by eight o'clock i'd be at the office from eight till eight sometimes eight till nine whatever it was and i'd still be selling tickets and from my hotel bed that was it it was just sell didn't even really do. I went to. I went out for dinner once in New York. I didn't really, and I went shopping. I went like on a crazy tear of <laughs> shopping. But so, yeah. so what is about the sales process that you find so interesting and intriguing? Honestly, because many people are afraid of it. I, I, that's a that's a really good question. I know. Um, I'm just trying to think like what I what I find interesting about it. Maybe um, it's it's more so. If you look at any company, what keeps a company in business, like what keeps a business in business is, is sales. It's selling, being able to, you know, kind of convey your ideas. And I, I guess maybe something that always attracted me to it is there was such a stigma with it. When I knew I'm like, like you look at your top leaders in the world, the, the, the CEOs, they're salespeople. Everybody's kind of, sales relates to everything. Kids are selling to their, their parents to buy them this. Um, so what kind of intrigued me, I guess, was just the idea that, it was an influential thing, like maybe more so. Like if I was a lawyer, I'd just be kind of. I figured myself, like I'm not going to be able to create my own. And you see these salespeople that they're not service workers. They they get to kind of create their own. They can go out and sell per day, and you can make as much in that. And that's what kind of drew me to that field. Um, for the most part, as long like I said, as long as you're not selling crap. And I was just I, the reason I don't know. I just really. 
I really like the power behind the, the idea of selling, negotiating, the certainty like sales was because everything relates to it. So I knew back then, I was like, okay, this is where what I wanted to get into kind of thing. It was just everything is sales. As much as people don't want to believe it and they don't, oh, you're an icky sales guy. I'm like, what have I tried to sell you? They're like, nothing. I'm like, there you go. Right. You know, and that's the thing. And you go into that stigma and then people kind of get like nervous with it. And I'm like, if I, you know, I mean, you just try to add more value, whatever it is. So, yeah. Hmm. So recently you started another company with, um, you are the co-founder of the social media marketing agency called Social Rise Revenue Marketing Agency. Mm -hmm. What made you start another initiative and business? It was just, it, we, we just, uh, I don't want to say it was, it was just, it, it would have been stupid not to in my, in my eyes. Like I, it was like, I was, I was watching a lot of Ty Lopez and, um, it just, there's, there's what, 50 million businesses, I think, in North America. So I, don't quote me on that, but there's like so many businesses and social media, like people want to say, oh, stay away from social media, but it's everything. Like that's where, that's where the markets are going. That's where the future is going, all these new apps. And I was like, wow, we can, we can, we can start, you know, just building brand equity with a marketing firm. So people like they're looking for services, like we can do the social media, th media thing. I'm good at it. I know how to boost the numbers. Tristan's really good at it. Even the PR side, we can kind of flux with that too. And it just seemed like a great idea at the time. And then we could build a team to have selling. It's like, okay, so I have a sales company and we have a marketing company. And then you can do some consulting with this side of it. And that's basically what got me into, into Social Rise. And, uh, so you own this with Tristan, with Tristan your Richie, yeah. Shout out to Tristan. That's it, my man, right there, <laughs> if he's there. Um, so you've, when did you start this company? We started Social Rise. Back in January, I think, and I had my my right hand man Jesse, and he, but he's working with TD Bank right now. There's a disclosure thing. He's got his license, so eventually he'll be coming in doing his marketing. Thing. He's my right hand guy, and then Scott also, which is like a managing partner with it as well. Um, we're just taking it slow because you don't, you know, we have the company, we have the vehicle for it for people, and we can offer them services and get them a return. We can show them the numbers. We'll do free things, free audits, and uh, it's just it was a great idea and a great vehicle that I don't have to really run it for the per se. I can pick up a contract and do it myself and just have that service I can hire someone train them in and then I can also train them on the sales aspect too to go out and sell our, our products and services um, it was just a great vehicle to have sales and marketing go hand in hand uh, you look at marketing marketing kind of directs your behavior and attitude that'll get you to the sale right so I thought it's just another tool to use absolutely so now you're working on your third book mm -hmm. um, anything you want to disclose about the book I know you dropped some subtle hints on social media for those who do or don't follow you um, so I've been watching that and I, I I know the title of it but I'll let you drop it for sure uh, so originally the title was actually mindset psychology but that that was a little bit of a buzzword that with the psychology piece or you're not a psychologist <laughs> um, so then I, I I, always, I claim to have a PhD in rejection. Uh, I always used to tell my teachers at school, we sit there like, oh, they got their PhDs and stuff. I'm like, well, I'm not going to get my doctorate. So I'm like, I got my PhD in rejection from selling door to door. So the title of the book is PhD in Rejection, Why Luck is an Illusion. And then I'm really going to digress on the, like my story and like really where I came from fundamentally. Um, I'm really going to hit hard on the millennial generation and, you know, take a couple hits at it, but in a positive light with a plan of action to say, guys, you know what I mean? We really have to focus on this. Um, and I get into a number of different stories and content and how to distinguish yourself in today's market. My predictions on what I'm seeing as a millennial, where things are going, because we're going to go through, we're already going through a mass disruption. It's just getting started. Yeah. And that's the thing. And most people in my eyes, what I'm starting to see through self-report research and data is that most people are going to get hit with like a punch in the mouth and they're not even going to know what happened. And they're going to get wiped out in a way if they don't. It's It really is the survival of the fittest that you have to, you know, that's the thing. You need the world right now, and I'm going to just really say this quick. 
you can't just have these people that are just like imperialists coming out there and conquering everything. You need, we are in dire need of leaders and people that are going to go into the world and, you know, go out there to have an impact, but bring people with them. And, and that's what I'm really focusing on saying that, you know, enough of this narcissistic society where it's all about me. Like, yeah, you got to promote yourself and brand yourself so people buy into you, but it's more about the bigger, the bigger problems, bringing people together. We're losing our sense of community, even in the church. And I'm not saying I'm religious, but we're losing this sense of community. And we need leaders to kind of bring that together, bring people together, opposed to right now, we're in a massive divide. Right. You know? And that's I, I, I really want to make sure that people know that we're not trying to diss on different um, generations, because I know we talked about the different generations and stuff, and it, there's just a, a divide between all of Absolutely. them. And there's just, I mean, people have this thought about millennials and you know generation z and like baby boomers and how we're all different but also like you just said we can all work together still absolutely we can all learn from each other um i the older generation we can learn a ton from and they can learn a ton from us so i hope people really realize that instead of dividing just like connect exactly it, it, it's so true, especially with this connecting. I think what you're going to see, Michelle, now too, really coming into fruition. People don't see this. A lot of people aren't actually witnessing this and they don't predict it. But you're starting to see is that Generation Z, like we are more exposed more than ever. So they're going to want to see where their money's going. If you're going into a company and you're buying from Nike and all of a sudden you know they're in a sweatshop, they're not going to like that. They're going to want to see, I'm buying my shoes and then they're giving away something. You have to, it's all about that, you know, philanthropy and giving back. And that's mm -hmm. where the generation has to go. And, and Cole Hatter, if he's out there right now he's the guy that started thrive he's really trying to switch the market that we start these companies and you don't give a thing so like even amanda zirkowski for whatever sales she is she's giving like 25 bucks per sale or 50 to our cans for christmas campaign or just giving back you do this i'm going to give back here's you know 50 of this or whatever it is you know we need to give back more and, and we're losing that as a society because people are in this this uh, this terror and this fear of oh my god like I'm I just I'm out here to survive when really and this is subjective people will laugh at this but we are in the greatest time in human history you can go like I use Ryan I want to keep this local but I, I use this guy as an example is Ryan Benoit I constantly use him as an example love Ryan I know we all love him and I hope he's watching this too because I, I use him constantly even on stage I use him as an example because it's so perfect that he is the definition that there is no excuse he's out there working 12 hour days he's out there selling building his brand taking it to love and I tell him every time like you're going to go global so when you sit there and you tell me oh i gotta i gotta do my homework and this and that and life is so hard because i have to pay these bills think about that guy that you know he he's already like some would consider it a disadvantage he uses it to his advantage and look at him he's very successful because of 40 under 40 man but that's he's the definition i that guy probably inspires me more than anybody especially locally when i'm looking at somebody when i think i'm like oh i gotta quit i'm like i think about him i'm like okay no you know and and that's it there is no excuse anymore like oh, absolutely yeah. so everything that you've done up until now who have you become in the process who have i become well like my rap name la i'm just kidding <laughs> no uh i find i, I became and become more of a somebody that i'm trying to step outside of myself more so so how can i explain this the easiest way it would be because you came from having no confidence oh well like that that's what you mean yeah, like, sorry. Who I came from, like yeah yeah you came from no confidence having tons of fears and now look at where you're going so how do you see yourself like who have you become i feel like i became this like this 
I don't want to say fearless, but somebody that's bold, willing. I don't take good enough as an, ex- an answer. And I'm willing to step out of my way to help somebody that thinks they can't do it. I'll give them the time of day. I feel like I'm, I'm that person that, that if you're having a bad day, come talk to me for 15 to 20 minutes and let's see what we can do. Start with it. Like, how, how can we start just getting a smile on your face? I feel like I'm, I'm the millennial motivator. <laughs> you know, like, that's a joke, but like, uh, I just feel like I become more, more whole in that, like, instead of focusing so much on myself and like I got to build my brand and build myself but I think the more that you kind of try to help other people build other people up and focus on that that's what really what life's all about giving back it gives you back something 20 times full and that's what I found the more like I was focused for a long time like on me me where's me and then I realized I'm like no you have to do these things this is what you have to do and then it's an enjoyable you know pleasurable feeling you get from it too that's right yeah absolutely I yeah. love that because at the end of the day it's it's really not about you. It's about everybody else. And then it is. in turn, I mean, you do get reward. You, you get the reward after. Yeah. I love it. So uh, one last quick one, just to say really funny, just yeah. quick, like everybody's like, we're almost narcissistic right now. And, and people are driving in their cars. They think everybody's like looking at them and this and that. No one cares. They're crying. <laughs> like, no one cares, you know? So like, you know, yeah, anyway, it's funny. Yeah. Awesome. I want to thank you so much for being my guest today. It was thank an you. absolute pleasure to sit here and chat uh, for the last hour with you yeah. and learn more about you and what you're doing. Um, congrats on everything. Thank you very much. I think it's awesome. Um, thank you so much for having me on here too. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. So Boss Talk is a show dedicated to bring you insight, advice, and straight up hard truth from people who take ownership of their life every day. Embrace your inner boss, whether at work, at home, and in life. You can tune in to Boss Talk weekly on CKLU 96.7 on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. And also check out my new Facebook page, Boss Talk Radio, where you can get updates. We'll go live and ask any questions. And if you want to be on the show, Message me there. I hope you all have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next week.